Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Adam Osher, and Dr. James Mostry bring us a special podcast. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. Register today for the Summer Institute of Theology, which happens August 1st through the 5th. Classes include training in adult catechesis, congregational leadership, and Christian ethics. Find out more at flbc.edu forward slash s-i-t. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I once again am Pastor Jason Goodham and I have with me Pastor Adam Osier and James Mulsery. Welcome back, James. Thank you. We're going to be continuing a discussion uh, that we began in the last episode about seminary education, the nature of seminary, and then probably later this episode transitioning into the nature of higher education in general. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, from from a world perspective, we're at a pretty unique spot, uh, both you know, with pandemic stuff mm-hmm. and then also with just the nature of culture in general and what that's become. So I, I want to make sure we end up there. Uh, but you were talking at the close of the last episode, James, about uh, the nature of the call. And, you know, we, we kind of close out this discussion where you have this tension in seminary where at no point in time is the seminary owed a call, but it's also a, a gracious and a grace-filled process. Uh, one of the things that you say as a dean that I really appreciate and, and I want others to hear is that in the seminary, we don't recruit. And, and the couple times I've heard you say it publicly, you just kind of let a pregnant pause backfill that statement to catch people off guard. So I will set up that pregnant pause and let you run with it. Uh, I don't know of a single denomination, and specifically a single Lutheran denomination right now, that could not use more pastors. That's correct. And, and certainly our denomination can use more pastors. Uh, but we, we really uh, believe strongly that... Uh, this vocational call to ministry is a very special, specific call. When I say special, I don't mean better than anyone else. I, I want to be careful about that, too, because we talk about there are some that, that say being the pastor, it, it's almost a, it's, a, it's an elevated position, and um, he's the Lord's anointed, and don't put your hand against the Lord's anointed, which is interesting because that was actually something that David said about Saul, and I don't know that I would want to be compared <laughs> to Saul necessarily. And he was, a, he was a king who was anointed with oil, and we don't actually anoint any of our seminarians with oil, so I don't, I'm not sure if that actually fits. But we, we, don't, we don't recruit seminarians because we want, them, we want it to be very clear to them that this is a call of God, not a persuasion by the dean or, or by their grandma or by anyone else, but that this is, this, but this, this is an actual calling of God to ministry. Because there are very, and I don't know how, how much you want to get into this, but there are very specific qualifications of the pastor in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Yeah, actually in Scripture. Yeah, in Scripture. Right, and so we have to be we have to be careful. We don't just yeah, come one, come all, because there are certain qualifications for that for that uh, that position, and we believe that the the man should be called then. And as I said, the call process yeah may start out 
fairly subjective, but by the time uh, they have been called by a congregation to serve a church, that subjective call has been made objective. It's interesting that you, you, you brought up the qualifications. First thing that popped into my head is, is, is there's this dynamic in the church. Uh, the first time we blow through any concept of biblical qualifications is in spiritual leadership in the congregation. And, and, it, and it looks like uh, we need this man who has been deemed valuable by the church body to be more active in church. Let's make him a council member. Yes. So, so, so that's step one. And then whenever those men get sucked into the, the, you know, the, the body of the congregation, as soon as any of them show some sort of aptitude with scripture, the very next thing is, have you considered seminary? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I understand the impetus and the desire for that. Again, I think most people recognize that a vacant congregation is not a good thing. We want pastors. We, we, we want that giftedness. At the same time, now having been a pastor for over a decade, uh, how much I appreciated having men and women on that extent uh, who are educated biblically in the congregation. And, and it's not my desire to get rid of those people so fast. No, no, absolutely not. And, and, uh, we have we have situations. It's interesting. I, I I've been on the phone recently with several men who are interested in in coming to seminary, and and one of the things they cons- are considering is, you know, I'm concerned about my church. If I leave this church right now, I'm in leadership in this church. What would happen to the church? I don't want to harm the church by, you know, trying to help the church by going to seminary. You, you know, what, what, it's sort of a catch twenty two. What what do I do if I if I stay? I, I, I'm wondering if I'm actually not listening then to the call of God, but if I leave, am I hurting the congregation? And that, that's, that's something really to consider. What, what I think when I hear that is, first of all, a, a congregation historically, biblically historically now, is something is a giving congregation. It's a sending congregation. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the the letters we have in Scripture, people are excited to have their their people from their congregation go off to serve in these other areas, and we see commendations and greetings all through the New Testament in that line. So I think that that's you know that's definitely a factor in it too. I think it's okay to leave your congregation. Secondly, though, and I, this goes back to Jason, what you were saying. I think that there's an aspect in which you don't want to just willy-nilly, well, that's it. You, we all talked about the grandparent thing, right? <laughs> Grandma. Grandma hears you preach on Youth Sunday because that's what Youth Sunday is. You know, you have the oldest you know, male student go up there and preach. Every grandmother in the church thinks, of course, he's going to seminary. I was there. I remember that day very specifically. I remember where I was standing. And I had no intention to go to seminary. But I would say this, that in the call of God, something that he... Um, you know, that he orchestrates, that he delivers to the, to the man who he's calling into seminary. We, we talk about this as Lutherans very well. He uses means, mm-hmm. right? God uses means and the means of his word, uh, you know, looking at those qualifications of scripture, God, you know, you, you, you start to hear these things, you start to read and it's like, okay, I see there's a need for a pastor. Uh, I'm reading these qualifications and I'm hearing this from my pastor and from other people that these qualifications fit me. Uh, maybe God, are you calling me? And then, and then I call up James Molstry on the phone and I say, Hey James, um, actually, if I was going to a seminary, I'd be like, uh, Dr. Molstry, um, <clears throat> hi, my name is Adam. <laughs> and, 
I, yeah, I'm a little nervous to because have this. I'm very intimidating. Yeah, yeah. well, not yeah. because of that. Just it's <laughs> yeah, you are. You're famous. That's why. Yeah. With the like we talked about last week, but the point is, is that conversation then with you becomes something that God uses, I think, to help us to work through. Are those qualifications where I fit? I think God um, orchestrates His intentions and His calling through His people and through His congregations through His Word. And and through and through prayer, you know, one of the things that I'm I'm asking our men as they are as they are considering a call, and I will I have a list of men who are interested, and I'm praying for them, and I'm asking them to do the same. Be praying, being in prayer, and and uh, allowing God to to work through uh, his his the means the means of of his word, and and through prayer to determine whether this is where you are to be right now. Mm-hmm. Well. Speaking of intimidating, though, I will still say that my entrance interview into seminary is still the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my <laughs> entire life. So, I mean, there is a bit of that. Yeah. Um, you, you had brought up, and this just popped into my head as you brought it up, you, you brought up a reluctance of, of some of these leaders to leave their congregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, on the flip side of that, the seminary faces those same questions when we call faculty yeah. You know, and, and yes. one of the things I love about our seminary is every single member of our faculty, uh, of our teaching faculty, has congregational experience. They've yeah. all served as pastors in the congregation. Yeah, I was a pastor for 24 years before I, I came to the seminary, and th- that was a difficult decision. Difficult to leave the congregation because I loved the congregation. I loved being a pastor, and, and to leave the congregation that, that was that was extremely difficult. Uh, the only thing that that I, I guess the thing that helped me to be able to do that is is that I knew I was going to be investing in men who are going back into the ministry, and that's what that's what leaders have to think about. That that when they leave the congregation, uh, the congregation is strong enough to survive anyone leaving it if it's a good congregation. They're able to survive and and what you're doing by coming and preparing is, is, is that you're you're enhancing the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is more than one congregation obviously and that's what we have to we have to look at it in big picture I think as men well I think as, as we try to discern this and we call it a call as well if God is calling through this process of you know orchestrating this call into the ministry uh, especially into into the teaching profession, you know, into teaching calling here, and you're taking somebody from a congregation. One of the things I think you said this to me, James, in the uh, um, on my internship, you said, you know, if God really is in the business of doing this, uh, you know, if God wanted you to work, for instance, the illustration you used was if God wants you working 80 hours a week as a pastor on a regular basis, he hates your family. And I don't think God hates your family. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got to balance, you know, those those callings as well. I think the same is true. And, and we can kind of riff off of that a little bit and say, if God wants a man here to teach, uh, I don't think it's in his will and business to, oh, oh, I forgot about those. Oh, shoot. Sorry about sorry about that congregation. Yeah. That was a mistake on <laughs> yeah. my part. That's yeah. a bummer. Hopefully you get some, you know, you know, some service in, in my name, you know, soon. We'll hope. We'll pray. You know, and that's why no, yeah, it's, like it's good. We need to we need to step back and look at this from a different perspective, right? Uh, we so we get we we become myopic. We we're, we're concerned about this one area, and God 
<laughs> God, bigger picture. Yeah, bigger picture. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. We can move a piece and mm-hmm. God, God knows all the ramifications. You know, exactly. what happens if this, you know, we move this piece and this falls and in, in our world, uh, James, one of your, I, I don't even know how we would say this with Sarah, an assistant of yours in the academic world, Sarah, she works here on campus. That woman knows all the moving parts at all times. And I have no idea how, and you know what? God might even be better than her. Yeah. She might, even, <laughs> you know, he, he might even be better than her at the details. And so I think we got to trust God on some of those things and, and prayerfully consider, right? If, if we're truly in prayer about this, looking at this, I don't think anybody's out to, to, you know, to wrong a congregation by taking one of their members who might be a, uh, you know, a good pastoral candidate or, you know, moving a, con- a pastor from one congregation to the next. I think God might have, might have the control there. Well, and, and as a board member, I've had opportunities to, to address that specifically at times and, and just being able to reassure people that from a seminary perspe- perspective, as long as we're doing that or doing what we do with excellence, uh, you know, according to scripture, whether we're pulling a man from the pulpit into the classroom, uh, either as faculty uh, or pulling a, a spiritual leader as a student from a congregation or whatever, the the body itself of the church will be better for it mm-hmm. if we're able to do what we do with excellence. Yes. That you know, and the the temporary pain will be alleviated by the greater impact that it will have on the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So. Good transition point here. Uh, the, the other thing I want to talk about, and, and really it's because the general public maybe just has not had that much of a chance to hear from it because we've all had our heads down for the last two, two and a half years now uh, with this global pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, It's over now. Oh, totally over, they right? They told me it was over. I heard that from Anthony Fauci himself. Okay. We are no longer in a pandemic. I wish I could say it like in his kind of accent, but we're not. We're no longer in a pandemic, and I just want to own that publicly right now. If I had an email address for you to give out right now, I would totally do that. <laughs> Send all comments to Adam, being Lutheran. Uh, what, uh, what has the last two years been like for you, too? Adam, you're the dean of our Bible college. James, you're the dean of our seminary. What has the last two years been like? Uh, how has that changed how you focus on delivering the best education you can in your schools and and what does the future look like having been through a, a crisis of literal global proportions hmm. you, you know it <laughs> adam's going to have a, a different answer than <laughs> i have it wasn't that bad okay i'm just going to say it wasn't that bad for from my perspective in the seminary we did sort of a hybrid program than in the seminary. We're smaller, we're much smaller than the Bible college. So we're, we're able to get by with a more of a hybrid program, which meant, which means that if the guys were comfortable coming to class, they came to class. Uh, they wore masks during the, the, well, the mask period. Well, I, the gonna, what what do we call it? Yeah. When it was actually, yeah. Yeah. Mandated, mandated. When it yeah. was mandated. Um, and uh, those that were unable to or who were sick or had COVID or – and remember, if you had a cold, you had COVID. No, no matter what that your malady was, you had, you had COVID. Um, and they could watch online from their, from their uh, condo, uh, the sick seminary. Bed, right? Sick bed, It was bed, only whatever. the sick bed. Yeah. And, and so they were able to watch and uh, participate uh, – with, with a sort of a modified online program. One of the things that we learned about uh, COVID is that uh, we don't like online. 
uh, our students don't like online. They really want to be there. They want to be. They 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 love the residential program. They want to be there with their colleagues, learning together, discussing together. They hated having to watch, so to speak, uh, an online uh, lesson. Now, I I want to I want to be fair to those who deliver online programs. Our online program wasn't nearly as professional or well done, I'm sure, as many online programs as seminaries do. So I, I, that, that's one caveat there. I would say, you know, the, the difference, I think one way to say that is the, the difference between an online program, which is specifically designed for that, and doing online education, which are two entirely different things. Correct. We were doing online education, not an online program. My kids, before it was cool, had well, my first three years of my son's education was in Pittsburgh. Actually, it was a public cyber school setting. So it was almost like a homeschool hybrid situation, only to say it's exactly what the whole world did over the last couple of years. And in Pittsburgh, where we were at, they did it so well. I mean, it was just like they knew what they were doing. They had the right um, they had the right online like platforms, you know, the, the different content management systems. Everything was set for them to, to succeed there. Uh, and it can be done well, for sure. We weren't. But what I found interesting from the college side is most of our students, actually students that um, were kind of questioning whether or not they wanted to come here, because we were having in-person school right after, you know, we, we took that two-month period off. But that next year, because we were meeting in person, that was the tipping point for some of our students to decide to come here, uh, which was kind of interesting. Uh, I thought that was, you know, a, a dynamic that I wasn't expecting. But it really reinforced the nature of the, the discipleship aspect of, of the college side mm-hmm. of the program, you know, that we are meeting together that there is a, um, a discipleship without distance is the language we use to talk about that now, thanks to COVID. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to say, though, for me, we could talk about all the things we did and, and, and the, the, <laughs> all these different masks that we wore. But I, w- I want to talk for a second about the college students that I deal with um, in, in seeing the impact that having this kind of a global crisis including not just COVID, but, but all the things that have gone on. I'm thinking of Ukraine and Russia. I'm thinking of all of the things that are, are going on in our world and the, the nature of what that has, how that has impacted them as individuals. Uh, I, I'm seeing a lot of people who are, are struggling a lot with keeping things in order. You know, their, their life has been kind of disordered over the last couple of years. They were the ones who everything was canceled. They've lived kind of in this perpetual state of disappointment because of some of the things that have been canceled in their life. And you see kind of that changing. And it's it's interesting. And I think part of our, our goal is to see how God's word applies to that and how, how that can bring healing to these individuals. Because I, I think that's more than anything what I'm seeing is just the kind of the impact or the fallout of of anxiety that these you know younger individuals are facing in the world today along those lines and, and to get off covid as quickly as possible <laughs> we, we've had it's it over. for two years yeah um i, I want to phrase this question with nuance so it people understand why i'm asking it but uh and, and it's for both of you uh our seminary program james is residential only still Mm-hmm. Our Bible college program, Adam, is residential only still. And again, not to denigrate, the, there, there are other Lutheran seminaries that have distance, online, digital programs. Uh, 
what are the advantages and why is the residential only approach the right approach for uh, the Free Lutheran Seminary? It's interesting. I, I asked this question of, uh, I asked the question, that, that particular question of classes at the end of their, their time here. And I remember a response uh, two years ago when I asked that question of a, a large group of seminarians who had just graduated. And one of the men said this. He said, when, we, when we're residential, when, because the school's residential, we had to be all in. I said, what do you mean by that? I said, we had to leave everything behind. We had to leave our home. We had to leave uh, what was comfortable. We had to leave our jobs. We had to leave it. And we had to leave everything and come here. And he said, it felt like we were all in. And I thought that was an interesting, interesting take. You know, that, that um, all in, meaning uh, we left everything behind to come here and to study, saying, God, <laughs> here I am. You, you have me for these three or four years to study, and I'm, 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 all, I'm all in. Now, that does not mean, I, again, I want to be careful. That doesn't mean that online programs mean you don't have to be all in. But there is, a, I, I'm, I'm sure, there's a danger of those who are just kind of dipping their toe in and saying, I'm going to take, I'm going to take some online courses here. I'm going to continue in my job where I'm at in my, in my vocation, and I'm going to dip my toe in and maybe take some classes, maybe take some more classes, maybe take some more classes. And uh, I, I suppose you could do that over a period of, of 10 years if you wanted to, never really being all in. I thought we'd go with the worst possible construction, no nuance answer of, <laughs> do you really want a pastor who could have gotten an MDiv by sitting in his parents' basement in his underwear for, you know, the last, you know, a 23-year-old pastor who's been Playing sitting... Fortnite on one screen. Yes, exactly. No, that's that's the See, worst I'm, possible I'm, construction. I'm much more kind than you are. You Adam, are. So, and yeah. less obnoxious, too. <laughs> so what about residential education in the 21st century post-COVID for Bible college students? Honestly, I think the the last two years have proven the value of that. I think there was a convenience for a long time of seeing, you know, okay, I can take an online program. And in, and in a college setting, or if you're learning just about scripture, could you do that, as they used to say in the olden days, via correspondence, right? You know, those correspondence courses mm -hmm. you could have, right? Can you do that online? Absolutely. You can learn stuff online. Uh, I think students... Uh, are coming, especially in this age group that we deal with, the college age, we're, we're still in that whole world of social media and the impact that it has on on individuals. You have these these you know people who um, I believe it is John Stone Street and Brent Brett Kunkel who talk about this in a book. They have Practical Guide to Culture. Now they have a Student Guide to Culture, um, and it's the idea of being alone together. And so that's, you know, this, this idea that they're on social media all the time, they're alone and they're, they're processing all of these new ideas, things people are saying, all of these things from a perspective of being on their own. And, and what I'm seeing is a college age populace who are hungry to actually have relationship. They're seeing the hurt of what, um, they're seeing the hurt of what social media can do in its ugliest forms. Is there a pretty form of social media? I'm not sure. But if they're, they're, they're seeing the ugliness of it and, and they're seeing the emptiness of being alone together, so to speak, on social media. 
And they're wanting those relationships in person. That's what I'm seeing. I'm hearing that not just from our students who go to Bible college. I'm hearing that with some of the other college-age students that I'm interacting with at different times. That's, that's becoming a major, major thing. So it's not even a push. It's not even like I have to sell, hey, come on, you know, come be on campus. It's like, no, that's what we, we want. Mm-hmm. We're tired of being alone and isolated. And I think when you're forced into it, like COVID did for us, not to mention that word again, but like <laughs> it, it being forced into it, you're seeing exactly the emptiness of that in, in its ugliest sense or one of its ugliest senses. And you want something different. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. We're kind of at the intersection now of, uh, an unintentional and maybe previously celebrated isolation with digital identities that has really come into focus in an age where we had forced isolation and and getting people, I think for the first time in over a decade to say, maybe this digital existence isn't the best. And and, uh, I'm really, you know, I could be proven completely wrong about this, but it'll be interesting in 10 years to see if like Facebook's gambit for an entire, entirely digital existence with whatever it is they're doing, what's it called, Meta now? Meta, yeah. yeah uh, virtual reality. If that's going to be universe. embraced, because I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to stick because the forced isolation really magnified what we had already been doing to ourselves digitally. It seems to me like one big, long, ugly Zoom session. Don't. That's what it seems like, doesn't Zoom it? Zoom is even a worse word than COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't it, though? Yeah. Isn't that exactly what the um, what Meta is trying to do in this virtual reality? Isn't that what we've tried to do is kind of like from our couch be able to pretend like we're together? I mean, people were sick. Of, and there was actually a... Um, And there was actually some sort of a psychological terminology to like, it was basically like they called it zoom fatigue, but it's this idea of being in a setting like that for much longer than a person ought to for maybe like more than an hour. And you just start to shut down. Oh, you burn out. We're not built for that. Hmm. It's interesting. I think what people are seeing is exactly that God designed us for community. You know, the, the secular world would not call it that. They would not define it that way. They would not understand it or see it that way. But that's exactly what they're seeing. <laughs> what they're longing for is exactly what God designed us for. It's kind of funny how that works. Mm. He did it again. God he did it imagine again. Imagine God knows what he's doing. It's the theme <laughs> of the episode. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's a good spot to start or to stop, uh, wrap up this uh, episode. Adam, do you have any closing thoughts? I don't. I'm just I'm just glad to be a part of this. It's good to hear about what God's doing in the seminary. So thanks for being with us again, James. Oh, you're welcome. It's good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as we continue our discussion on the Augsburg Confession. God bless you and have a great week.